content warning for the movie we will be discussing this episode. The movie we are reviewing contains depictions of racism and racial slurs, police brutality, suicide, violent assault against women, and sexual assault against women. If you are sensitive to this kind of content, you may want to skip watching this movie and or listening to this episode. Welcome to Your Movie, My Movie with Dan and Steve. I'm Dan. And I'm Steve. This is a podcast where one of us picks a movie to watch and discuss it. In this episode, we're talking about one of my picks, the 1995 movie Strange Days, starring Ray Fiennes, Angela Bassett, Juliette Lewis, Tom Sizemore, Vincent D'Onofrio, and William Fickner. It was written by James Cameron and Jay Cox. And was directed by Catherine Bigelow. Uh, we will be talking about spoilers, so if you want to watch the movie first, now's the time to do so. But before we talk about the movie, Dan, who would you recommend this movie for? All the sheeple who need to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> if you can handle the truth. <laughs> no, this movie's amazing. Holy cow. I would recommend this movie for anyone who likes movies. And is able to handle a lot of rough stuff. Um, it, it's a rough movie. It was intense, super intense, but it's actually like an amazing movie. Like, I was super impressed by it. It's not what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. So I would recommend it for yeah people who like movies. And also, if you want to watch what people were thinking about in the '90s, I mean, it's not like yeah, we'll get into it more. But like, there's a lot of political statements in this movie that I think are super important and relevant but yeah i mean it wasn't made by black people but it's definitely like about that you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and so i think like it was like right on the edge of being like a plus plus you know of like actually like aware and i guess like culturally like important you know what i'm saying it was directed by a woman so that's great mm-hmm. but like there was like another that, that's like yeah anyways that's just like if it was able to go one step further that would have been even bet awesome more awesome but that yeah so anyone who likes movies and wants to see what was kind of in the cultural unconscious of the 90s and you know still around but mm-hmm. sorry that was a long one but no that's fine that's fine yeah i agree with all that but i also want to recommend this to the the sci-fi crowd especially those who are into like cyberpunk because this movie is kind of pre-cyberpunk you know one of the elements of of sci-fi is where you take some kind of futuristic concept Mm -hmm. put it into society and then see how society reacts and evolves around it and that definitely happens in this movie yeah for sure i think you could easily do a triple feature with this movie so where you watch you know strange days 
Johnny Mnemonic, <laughs> which we will watch. We will. Um, but then Blade Runner. Hmm. And I think those three would make a really good, like, like triple, triple feature. Hmm. That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, w- I would say, though, I don't think this is, um, you know, pre-cyberpunk. I think this is just cyberpunk, you know, or something. I mean, we got... Mm-hmm. There's other, you know, works of art that are cyberpunk that are before this. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, um, well, also, this is also a, you know, neo-noir thriller. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Hardcore. This is right up there with... Blade Runner. Well, 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 I mean, you know, the ones from the 40s and 50s. Oh, okay, yeah. Know? Like, Double Indemnity, that's the one I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those kind of movies. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is... And it plays by the same rules, for mm-hmm. sure. A Hitchcock movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's also a lot of elements of Hitchcock in this, too. That's fair, too, yeah. Yeah. So... Okay, yeah. That sounds like a good recommendation. So do you like this movie? I loved this movie. There's some problems I had with it, I guess. Uh-huh. Or things that I, I think I would like to talk about. Things that didn't like exactly sit well. But overall, this movie is insane. This movie mm. is like... like I, I, I wrote down that I wanted to see it on the big screen. Because there's so much going on constantly. And it's like... I, this movie is like at an 11 for the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Like it reminds me, because I just recently watched like a few months ago, Total Recall. And that movie is like at an 87 out of 10 the entire time. It's like just pedal to the metal the entire time. And that's what this movie is too. And also just like, I, it's weird seeing movies this huge scale. Mm-hmm. And I, especially this movie, because I've never even heard about it until like two weeks ago. Yeah, I've never heard about this movie. And... And it's like got a huge. I don't know how budget, how big of a budget it had. Oh no! It was it was eight million, I think. Really? So that's not Let's even see. that much for um, back then. Oh no no! I'm sorry. Oh, okay, yeah, no. eight million was the box office. Oh, that's why I haven't heard about this movie. The budget was forty two million. I was gonna say yeah, this looked expensive to make. Yeah, eight million mm-hmm. box office. Dang. Yeah, that's um, rough. No filmed, one heard of it. Filmed in uh, nineteen ninety five, uh, Los Angeles. This um, movie was too ahead of its time, honestly. Yeah, over 77 days. So, wow. yeah. It's a long shoot. I guess not that long. I well, I mean, you know, I'm sure, like, the, you know, all the cost of it was, you know, because it was shot on location in L.A. Um, I'm sure that's what all the cost was because, like, there was no, like, big budget things. You know, there were some, like, big locations, like the New Year's Eve party at the end. Yeah, the New Year's Eve party was huge. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there are set pieces there, you know, explosions. And well, the a whole... Lot of, <laughs> yeah, the whole movie is a set the whole, Yeah, the whole movie is a set piece because, before we get into anything else, um, let's briefly set up... Let's quickly set up the movie because it's New Year's Eve, uh, 1999, in Los Angeles. Yeah. And L.A. is a fucking war zone. Yes. <laughs> because, like, not only um, are there police, there's also SWAT. And not only is there SWAT, but there's also fucking tanks in the street. Yeah, what is that called? <laughs> like, the National Guard or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just police with their or, fucking tanks. Or just, yes. <laughs> yes. And yeah. that's, const- that's constant in this movie. Is like... There's always, like, everything is on fire in this movie. There's, yeah. like, burning cars in the streets constantly. Mm-hmm. People always running by the camera, fighting. Just cops just beating people up left and right. And just, it's just madness. This movie's insane in, like, it's also long. It's a long movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, this movie is two, two hours and 35 minutes, which is kind of amazing, but it's also kind of necessary, I think, because... 
we don't we don't get to the plot of the movie until after an hour. Yeah. Um, this movie spends an hour just setting up the entire world and all the characters and like the rules of the universe as well. I don't think I would have noticed how long of a movie it was before if I hadn't looked it up beforehand. Yeah. Because it didn't feel that long. Like it felt it it was well paced completely. Absolutely. It was I mean, there's so much jam packed into this movie. Like I mm-hmm. said, it's at eleven the entire movie. Yeah. There's no there's no like slowing down. Yeah. So it's long, but it's not like I'm saying it's boring at all. Yeah, it, it it's kind of like Star Wars, Star Wars A New Hope in a way. Mm-hmm. Because like the hero of that movie is mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And we don't meet him until about an hour into the movie because mm-hmm. George Lucas has to set up everything with the world first. Yeah. Has to do all of that world building. And and then, you know, the plot carries on. And that's what this movie does. It it really gets you into the world of LA. In the then future mm-hmm. of uh, 1999. And I think it does a really great job. Yes, I think mm-hmm. it does a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Who's our main character's name again? Uh, uh, Lenny Nero. Lenny Nero, <laughs> yes. Played by Ray Fiennes. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So we yeah. start out with, with Lenny well, Nero. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's not talk about the plot too much. Uh, let's just talk about like the main themes or, or main things that we want to talk about. Okay. I was just going to like run through the plot really okay, quick. Okay, okay. So Lenny is a, a salesman of like these basically VR videotapes. He's a black market salesman, ex cop. Mm-hmm. And he's got this ex-girlfriend faith that he's obsessed with. Mm-hmm. And she wants to make it in the music industry. She's dating a huge player in the record business. Mm-hmm. And one of Lenny's associates, who would make tapes for him showed That's up. That's Tex. Oh, I'm talking about Iris. Oh, 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 Iris would make tapes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Iris, she would make tapes for him. She shows up and wants his help, basically. Mm-hmm. I think it actually starts with her, doesn't it? The movie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, no, no, no. The opening image. The opening image is of Lenny's eye. Oh. And then, and then we see, we see the first person point of view mm-hmm. of of like a group of men robbing a Chinese restaurant. Um, yes. and, and so in his first person point of view, you know, a lot mm-hmm. like one of my favorite movies, yeah. <laughs> hardcore Henry. And, and so they go through all this and, and then they're at the place, but then the police come by. And so the, the criminals have to, you know, run up to the roof to try to escape. And one guy jumps across, you know, from one roof to the other, but the guy, you know, that we see, you know, he doesn't want to, but the police are right behind him. So he jumps across to the other roof he doesn't land but he holds on and then the other criminal tries to pull him up but the police shoot him and drops the guy and then the guy falls and and then that's when we meet Lenny Nero and he's like god damn it man I don't deal with snuff tapes <laughs> <laughs> and the guys and the guy trying to um, sell it to him oh that's his yeah, so, Tick Tick is that guy's tick, name yeah. Tick I love Tick because oh his name is uh, Richard Edson mm-hmm. and he's been in like everything uh-huh. But I, he's like one of my, like, so I'm obsessed basically with the point in time of film of New York in like the 80s, because uh-huh. that's when Jim Jarmusch got his start. That's when freaking Spike Lee got his start and a bunch of my favorite directors got their start. And that's when like, you know, punk music is exploding and it's just like one of my favorite moments in time in the US in the past. It, it's just a thing I'm obsessed with. Like a lot of my favorite art came out of that period in time. Mm-hmm. And basically he's um, an actor in one of my favorite movies of all time, Stranger Than Paradise. 
Jim Jarmusch's second feature length oh. film. Yeah, he's also in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He's the oh. guy with the, with the who drives the car. He's in Do the Right Thing. He's in like everything. I, I mm-hmm. just love him because he's like a bit character who's amazing at what he does, mm-hmm. but he's like completely non memorable. <laughs> like no one knows yeah. his name. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyways, I just he's love such that. a great support actor. Yes, yes, so good. And in, in Straighter Than Paradise, he's he's like there's only like three or four actors in that mm-hmm. movie. He's one of the three, and he's so good in that movie. Mm-hmm. He's so funny. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm gonna make you watch that. That's one of the movies we're gonna watch. Okay, yeah, yeah, anytime. Anyways, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, we're gonna talk so, about the yeah. themes of this movie, right? Yeah, so it's not VR because it's not virtual reality. Yes, 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 what yes. it is, it's a rig, and and when you a person wears it they can the the tape records their point of view yeah you know what they see and then it records through a tape and then you can but also what they feel here and and yeah, sense, i'm assuming yeah. because it's recording their brain yeah i don't know i don't know if that's for sure maybe if that's also the case then this movie is even more fucked up <laughs> that's what i got from it i mean it's it, it's definitely their optical yeah yeah, yeah 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 we definitely see and hear what they see and hear but if it feels that it, it makes what happens even more fucked up yeah so yeah anyways yeah and and how does it work it's quantum <laughs> <laughs> Quantum science is magic. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's just quantum. It's is great. fun is what it is. Yes, yes. It's very fun. And so, yeah, so that's the piece of technology that has been introduced into this universe. And um, it's been made illegal. And so Lenny Nero, he's this cop who was on the Vice Squad, who, who then got kicked off kicked out of it because of, of the commissioner that's you know, we see later in the film. And so... I think that's really great setup for him because basically this movie is a, you know, it's a mystery. You oh, know? Yeah, it's definitely. a noir mystery. And so, you know, he's not a cop. He's a former cop. Now he's a criminal. So he's like on both sides of the law. But that's also an interesting theme mm-hmm. where cops <laughs> yeah. on the right or wrong side of the law. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of interesting themes in this movie. Mm-hmm. This movie's jam packed full with like everything. Well, I mean, like, like the first thing that I noticed about, because, you know, you already, we already talked about LA being a war zone and I just kind of want to provide some, you know, historical context. Cause like I was around for that. And the reason why is because what was going on, like, like the main thing that was going on, like was, um, the Rodney King verdict happened mm-hmm. where the beating of Rodney King got caught on tape by LA police officers. And then those police officers uh, were tried and found not guilty. And then the city of Los Angeles rioted because of that verdict. And that happened, the LA riots happened in 1992. So just three years before this movie was put out. This is insane. This is insane. This movie is insane. Like this movie was like on the pulse because literally there's a, there's a political figure in this movie named Mm -hmm. Jericho uh, one. Yeah. Jericho one. Who is like, you know, a political rapper who is, very critical of the police and of what's going on mm-hmm. in the society and basically this is a war zone things need to change there should be a revolution basically yeah and and guess what he gets assassinated basically well not okay mm-hmm. actually not assassinated he gets well, he, he gets, gets executed. murdered yeah. executed mm-hmm. but it's at a traffic stop yeah mm-hmm. i don't know it's just like and it was caught on tape by mm-hmm. 
the prostitute Iris. And so hold on, let's just <laughs> talk about all this for a minute. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I'm not into hip hop. I'm not into rap, but I'm pretty sure like what Jericho one is like a stand in for was, um, you know, in WA with, mm-hmm. I believe ice cube and ice T those in, you know, those other political rappers at the mm-hmm. time who were talking about, F the police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, singing about, you know, or rapping about, you know, police brutality and what they were seeing on the streets of L.A. at that time. Yeah. So, yeah, and then, and then when they get pulled over, at, you know, in a traffic stop, police recognize them and they say, oh, you know, you're the one who's organizing all of those gangbangers and political activists uh, against us. Mm-hmm. You know, man, you know, I know that this was, you know, set. And well, it's set in 1999. Mm-hmm. It refers to 1992, mm-hmm. but it's relevant today because of the you know Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, people just br- police brutality still. Mm-hmm. It's just insane. Well, I mean, it's kind of interesting because the Black Lives Matter movement. It's been the re- one of the reasons why it's been happening is because because we have smartphones mm-hmm. and cameras on our smartphones, mm-hmm. and we record evidence of police brutality. So at that time, it was thought you know that was an LA problem. Yeah. But with Black Lives Matter, it's shown that it's an all across the country problem. Yeah. And so. Yeah, this movie kind of, you know, shows how video that's ubiquitous, where everybody can see, and then how... How powerful that is. Yeah, yeah, how it can capture police corruption. Yeah, how Mm -hmm. it is powerful in the hands of the people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And how it's, like, used as a defense against when police abuse their power. Yeah, it's accountability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's being able to tell the truth mm-hmm. i mean and, and there's always editing and, and you know bullshit like that but like it's being able to tell the truth you know? yeah and that's kind of what this movie is about too in in that because iris captures the murder of jericho one mm-hmm. through her visual optical nerves or whatever yeah, yeah. The, the device is called the squid the squid yeah so the squid is capturing what she sees and hears and she sees everything she sees them get pulled over she sees them get pulled out of the car jericho one's like you're going to be on my next song and you know the cop loses his temper just boom executes them both mm-hmm. and then the, and other, then the other girl the yeah. other girl with them and iris is running away and, and they chase after her shooting at her mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy yeah but yeah that's like one of the main parts of this movie and it's just it's crazy it's it's awesome yeah and mm-hmm. i don't feel like super like qualified to talk about all this but I'm going to try, I guess. And, mm-hmm. you know, I might not say everything right, but who it's, we're allowed to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So where do we even start? Um, this movie's crazy. <laughs> well, so that's like, that's like one of the main themes of this movie is, well, like I said, you know, police brutality mm-hmm. and all that other stuff, because so, you know, that's one of the main things. And, you know, and also another main theme is the blurring of lines between cops and which side of the law they are or aren't on. Mm-hmm. Um, because, okay, before we go on, mm-hmm. so, so what happens in the plot yeah. is Iris um, has this tape and she's been trying to get it to Lenny. 
but yeah. he's busy with other things. Busy making money. Yeah, yeah, he's busy hustling. He's a hustler. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's great. Always worried about, you know, you know he, I love his suits. Like, oh, <laughs> Lenny is amazing. Lenny's a great character. I mean, he's an asshole, but he's a great character. Yeah, yeah. The costume, the costume designer, whoever's in charge of, oh my gosh. of the wardrobe, <laughs> oh my she deserves gosh. an award. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Everyone looks amazing in this movie right? constantly. But it's like Freaking... 90 chic. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's amazing. Angela Bassett? I know. Oh my god, the cocktail dress. Dressed to the nines. Oh my gosh, the cocktail dress? <laughs> well, I mean, I lost it. It was I mean, well, the funny thing is is like she has an entire arc surrounded by her wardrobe because we see her in the you know how she is today where she's like a limo driver and bodyguard and she's so badass and she's dressed in this, oh, um, she's so freaking in this business suit. Yeah. With like this awesome cuff that like goes up <laughs> like these cuffs. I mean, uh, you know, collars. Yeah. Yeah. Super like buttoned up, mm-hmm. put together classy, but also like almost like it is. I mean, there's even the joke driving Mr. Um, what's, what's Fumitsu. No, no, no. She says, um, what's his name? What's his freaking name? Ralph. I mean, not Oh, Ralph. Lenny. Yeah, driving Mr. Lenny or whatever because uh-huh. she's driving around, you know, the white guy in the passenger seat. But it's like, it is a chauffeur position. And that's like, I don't know. It's just cool how, like, we get to, she is in that, she's that, that's her job. Mm-hmm. And it is classically a job that was a sort of like only certain people had that job and they weren't the highest class people in, yeah, in, right. in the States. And, but there's a reason, like, like I said, LA is a fucking war zone. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure she's getting paid, you know, a good amount of money because oh, yeah. not only is she like a driver, she's also a fucking bodyguard. Yeah, she like knows all the, all the martial arts and is a freaking like, like she fights the same three thugs, you know, three times and she gets over on them each time. She it's barely wonderful. takes a punch. I don't think she actually takes a single punch from them. Yeah, yeah. So that's how she is today, and then we see her in a flashback when she meets Lenny for the first time, when back when Lenny was a cop. And she's dressed in this waitress outfit. We know that she's probably, you know, low paid at that point. She just got a job, whatever she could, mm-hmm. just to make ends meet. And then her husband gets arrested at their home in front of their in front of their uh, child. And that's when she meets Lenny. So obviously her being a driver and a bodyguard, it's a step up from being a waitress. Yeah. And, and it's so funny, too, because like in the modern day, she has those braids and she mm-hmm. just looks so strong and powerful and badass. Mm-hmm. But when she's in the waitress outfit, she's just crying and bawling because, you know, she relied on her husband, who's no yeah. good. So, you know, there was an arc and mm-hmm. it was all done visually. And, and that part is great. Yeah. And she has her hair like straightened. Yeah, yeah it's straightened and, and it looks like a bob, like something out of the 1950s. Yeah. It's very much like this is a pre- what presentable black waitresses wear to, yeah. in order to be accepted and have a job it's it's just it's so yeah and then by the so end of the good. movie <laughs> she wears a cocktail dress with a um with a um like a leg a thigh, holster, a thigh holster. A thigh holster <laughs> with her freaking glock or whatever yeah 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 barely hiding it and her freaking <laughs> muscles bro yeah she's yoked yeah she's yeah. like Bleh. Yeah, so that's great. <laughs> She's like a superhero in this movie. It's amazing. And so, yeah, so like the costume design. <laughs> yes, yes. What's her name again in this movie, though? Uh, Mason. Mason. Mm-hmm. She's Mason. Mace, for yeah. short. 
So, Which she carries around and sprays. <laughs> yeah, you, well, and she also has a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so badass. Yeah, she oh. stays trapped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to, you know, you mm-hmm. know, in 1999 LA, apparently. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. You, wait, wait, can we imagine, like, <laughs> just imagine, like, a bodyguard movie with her as the star. Well, I was just thinking, you know, maybe this is where Luc Besson got the idea to do the transporter. <laughs> Bro, haven't seen that, but sounds awesome. Um, it's, it's, it's awesome in its own way. It's not as yeah. awesome I mean, it would have been more awesome if Angela Bassett played the transporter. Yeah. Um, but it's awesome in its own way, for sure. Mm-hmm. Her character is amazing. Probably yeah. the best part of the movie. Actually, no, is the best part of the movie. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But um, but let's go back to... I'm sorry. Okay. I want a quick cover real quick. Um, where we see that flashback. Because Nero, Lenny Nero, mm-hmm. has just sort of gotten kicked out. He was trying to track down the woman he was in love with, which was Faith. Yeah, Faith is his ex-girlfriend. What's, what's her name? Oh, Juliette Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was kind of trying to track her down and, and mm-hmm. you know, get in contact with her again. And now he's kind of gotten the crap beat out of him. Well, she's been with Philo Gant, who is a, like, a media mogul. The most sci-fi name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is the most sci-fi name uh, in this movie. And he's played by, I want to make sure this is right, Michael Wincott. And... He was in The Crow. He was the villain in The Crow. He was just recently in Nope as the cinematographer. Oh, okay. Well, well, uh, in the 90s, he was in The Crow, which which was Jason Lee's final film. Mm. And he was also the main villain in Along Came a Spider. So Michael Wincott, he's kind of like this um, character actor who, who specializes in villain roles. But, like, he's really good. I'm seeing too. I'm looking at his, you know, what mm-hmm. he's been in. He was in Dead Man, which is another Jim Jarmusch movie. I just think that's oh. a cool crossover. I love the crossovers of like the actors and directors. Yeah, and yeah I do too. Okay. Anyways, so yeah, so so final Gant, and so yeah, Lenny's trying to get Faith from Gant, but Faith doesn't want to go, and Gant is also the manager for Jericho One, and so Iris knows Lenny because everybody dealing. In Squid, in L.A., knows Lenny, and that yeah. becomes a plot point mm-hmm. um, in the movie. And so, Iris tries to to get, show Lenny something, but then his car gets towed, and Iris runs away when she sees cops. And then, eventually, what happens is Lenny is given a tape of a guy breaking into a hotel room where Iris is at. Mm-hmm. He handcuffs her. Handcuffs her down. It's very graphic. Yeah, yeah. It's very graphic. It's very difficult to watch, and it's very difficult to talk about. Yeah, because it's like we're seeing it from the 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 assaulter's point of view. Yeah, which is very very disturbing because it's almost like we're the assaulter. Yeah, (laughs) it's super disturbing. Yeah, yeah. It's very disturbing, and and so you know he's recording this, but then. The something that fucked up that really goes on is he puts the squid on her so that she sees him assaulting her as he assaults her. The and, most like yeah. fucked up thing. Yeah, yeah. And then as he assaults her, he also strangles her mm-hmm. uh, with her own shirt that you know he cut off. And yeah, yeah, it's a very disturbing scene. But like it. 
okay, to try to talk high ideals in cinema, it puts the it really puts the audience in the point of view of the bad guy. Yeah, which I find interesting. I, I think it's super interesting. I don't. So this is one of my kind of like the things I wanted to talk about, which was uh-huh. like this movie is like it's very voyeuristic in a lot of ways. Yeah, there are a lot of boobs in this movie. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of like. I don't know. It it just feels like questionable some yeah. of the things. Yeah. Well, let's get into that because like earlier in the movie, we see Lenny reviewing a a clip, mm-hmm. and we see we see it's 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 a POV shot of a woman who's naked kissing, but then you know the the person looks down and she has boobs. Yeah. So we're seeing a woman kiss another woman from the point of view of one of the women. Mm-hmm. So it's obvious that. This technology is being used for for sex, basically. Yeah. Uh, which brings up a kind of interesting point: how fast, how fast <laughs> new technology gets used for porn. <laughs> which is true. Yeah. Because when VHS cassettes were invented, who was the first adapters of that? The porn industry, mm. because it allowed people to see to, to watch porn in the safety of their own homes, mm-hmm. without because before they would only be able to do it at a movie theater, mm-hmm. which is very awkward. <laughs> <laughs> which sounds insane. But, but I mean, also at the time, if it, that was their only choice, that's what people are going to do. Yeah. <laughs> but then um, VHS came out, and then and then cable came out, and so. And because you, you, you bought cable and, you know, it wasn't broadcasted, that kind of cut into the VHS porn industry where you would just get Cinemax or HBO. And then late at night, mm-hmm. you know, that's when they would show the naughty stuff. And then if you had a VHS, if you had a VCR, you could record it <laughs> <laughs> and that way you'd be relatively safe. And then the internet came out in the mid nineties. And of course, mm-hmm. porn adapt, adapted to it first. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so- I was watching Seinfeld the other day and uh-huh. they were talking about, yeah, here, buy a computer. You can, you can watch porn. <laughs> I was like, holy cow, this is what, like 19 something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. How would you like download a JPEG for like an hour or something? <laughs> that happened. <laughs> Trust me, that that happened. Um, you know, an on the phone line, and then you know, um, your grandmother would call, and then it would interrupt the phone line, and then you had to start all over from the beginning. <laughs> then she'd get mad, and you know, yell at your mom, "Hey, you know what? Why why is he on the phone all the time? Why can't I get old?" <laughs> Uh, that's hilarious <laughs> yeah all right so, so new technology yeah yeah new technology you know if it can be used for sex it will be used for sex and it is in this movie yeah but that's yeah. not the only thing he deals in mm-hmm. he also deals in sort of like the adventure of oh this is great too there's mm-hmm. a line oh man oh um oh. One man's mundane life is another man's technicolor. Yes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for getting that. Yeah. Which is just kind of like it. It's insane because it's like gentrifying experience in a way. Yeah. It's like all he Lenny deals to like the most wealthy elites, and he deals. It's like you know the the pulp song. I want to live with yeah common people. Common people. <laughs> I want to do what common people do. <laughs> <laughs> or the William Shatner song. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> but it's like there. It's like the fetishizing of poverty, you know, yeah, and and yeah. you know desperation. 
or not even poverty, just excitement. Because the first thing we see was them trying to rob that place. And, you know, a high earning executive, you know, he has no need to like put his life on the line Mm -hmm. and hold up a restaurant, but he wants excitement, you know, and and that leads to another conversation because like uh, when this happens, Lenny meets with, with a very well-dressed, very straight-laced guy yeah. in a seedy Chinese restaurant. Oh, that was a great scene. Where, where that guy does not belong, but Lenny totally does. Yes. <laughs> and Lenny's kind of, you know, trying to sell him on, on you know, being, being one of his customers. And let me see. He's kind of, he's basically like, I am your shrink. Yeah, yeah. This is, I'm your priest. And then... I'm the Santa Claus of subconscious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The connection to souls about stuff you can't have. I, the switchboard of souls. Oh, I must have not put it down, but he was like, do you, he was like, do you want to have a girl? Do you want to be with a girl? Uh, do you want to be with two girls? Do you want to be a guy? Do you want to be a girl? <laughs> and, and so he's like showing him all these possibilities of all of these options that he could experience uh, mm-hmm. through this technology. And this guy is getting hooked for yeah. sure. He's just like by the possibilities. And so he's like, all right, but how much is it? And Lenny's mm-hmm. like, let's talk about m- numbers after I give you a taste. Yeah, but what, what he does is he says, I'll give you the deck for free out of my own cost, but you'll have to buy clips for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, he, he's basically, um, Lenny is basically, you know, doing a live subscription service. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the guy puts it on. Mm-hmm. Lenny puts a tape in. Yeah, we don't know what it is. We we never see it, but um, his reaction is. <laughs> but we, he says what it is. Oh, what is it? Oh, yeah, uh, an eighteen-year-old girl showering. <laughs> yeah, which I think is really interesting. This this guy wants to be a girl. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like I, I just think it's interesting that they chose that type of character and not some other. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's like this movie is very cool in the fact that it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not like a. Oh, these types of people are terrible or these types of people are bad and no 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 um no no no. it doesn't make a judgment on them it's just like this is the world now you know this is something that the world has to deal with Mm -hmm. and they're dealing with it trying to by trying to make it illegal but obviously it doesn't work so it's also a commentary on like the the war on drugs Mm -hmm. i mean definitely there's a, a jericho one says like we take the drugs and the guns that came off your shelves, basically. Like, you know. Well, I think the... he means real drugs, not equating squid to drugs. No, no, definitely mm-hmm. not. But, mm-hmm. like, I mean, this is what this movie is about. Mm-hmm. It, it directly says that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm just agreeing with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, yeah. Well, this movie, it also reminds me of Inception in a lot of ways, like, especially in that regard. Huh. Yeah. I guess I didn't think about that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Because you in Inception, you see that den where it's just rows of people. Oh, the like, old men, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, just rows of people, sorry. Mm-hmm. Just rows of people, like, you know, asleep and all that. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's this underground economy and, like, shadow world dealing with just sort of the, the, the sleep technology in Inception. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing here um, in this movie. Yeah. And it deals with a lot of the same things, you know, having what you can't have. Now, you know, in Inception, that's more about, you know, fantasy and controlling everything whereas this movie is more about experiencing things through the eyes of somebody else yeah so and sort of what is socially downtrodden and unacceptable yeah 
because I mean that is what this movie takes place. The entire movie is un- in the underworld of, yeah. of the city. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole city is an underworld, basically. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, let's get back into the. I just think again. I just we're not done talking about the voyeurism because it's very strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that brings me to the cinematography of the movie because it, it's mostly. It feels like it's mostly handheld. Mm-hmm. It's mostly handheld shots, and like a lot of shots are eye level and like over the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, it switches over the shoulder a lot. So the cinematography style is very POV in a way too, you yeah. know, that's what I noticed. Yeah. I, I'm, I guess I it just, it's just still strange mm-hmm. because I don't know. It's just, a, it was just a strange feeling like watching the assault happen. Oh yeah. Watching yeah, yeah, that part. Yeah. Watching um, Nero and Faith. Nero's rewatching the tapes that he has of himself while he's with Faith in their yeah. relationship. It's just, it's very strange. It does, it, it, it just feels weird watching that. <laughs> I don't know well, if they could have done it better in a different well, way. Well, with Nero, well, well, with Nero, it's very intimate. With Nero, it's very, it's a very intimate moment, and it's a moment to show that he doesn't want to let go of Faith, mm-hmm. and that he would rather live. In the past, and just relive those moments, then constant, then 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 move on. Shows like how stuck he is on faith, which becomes a major plot point. Oh, for sure, because like most of what he does throughout the movie is just to try to protect faith. I'm just trying to figure out if it's exploitative or not, because I don't not I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like it, I'm on the fence about that, right? Because it's I don't know. It's just it just was weird. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things I was like, I don't know if I can. I wouldn't rewatch this movie a lot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I might show it to like a few people who I know like movies, but I, I would skip through the rough parts. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's genuinely uncomfortable, and even mm. the even the parts where it is with like Nero mm. rewatching it, it was it was uncomfortable for me. I don't know. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But well, I mean, that's the other thing though, is because one of the reasons why I like first person point of view movies and I like found footage movies and I like hardcore Harry is because of the immersive style of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like you really are the person and it feels more reality to me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I enjoy those movies. But what this movie does is it like shows the dark side of that. Yeah. And that's one of the things about it too. He's like, that's one of the, so Nero is talking with mace and he's kind of defending his his line of work which is oh people need to need this people it's it's part of living it's part of being human is is sort of dancing with the devil and 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 you know living on the edge a little bit and you know seeing the dark side a little bit later on whenever he has to watch the assault happen she uh mace is like oh how's the dark side feeling now kind of thing yeah it's like how far is too far and I mean, obviously that's like beyond the pale, yeah. but it's interesting. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, that brings us to the, the villain who is like the killer who, who's doing all this stuff. who's killing these people and then recording it and leaving the tapes behind for Lenny to watch. Mm-hmm. Lenny um, Nero, sorry. I keep yeah. forgetting his first name. Go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> that brings us to the killer who's leaving these tapes, these snuff tapes for Lenny to, to watch. And it's that classic writing where the villain of the piece should be a dark mirror to the hero. Mm. And that's what this killer is. He's Lenny's dark mirror. Lenny is a hustler. The reason why the killer is going after Lenny is because 
Lenny is like, he's the man in L.A., and whenever squid, illegal squid stuff comes up, eventually it's going to show up on his doorstep. Mm -hmm. You know, Mason says that. She says that outright. And that's Mm -hmm. the reason why he gets involved in this case. Mm -hmm. And because of that, that's one of the reasons why the killer goes after him. But the thing is, is like, yeah, the killer is a lot like Lenny, where he's recording these things, but he's showing the dark side of it. The dark side of what can happen when you go too far with it. Yeah. And, you know, this idea of the villain being a dark mirror to the hero, it's a pretty classic piece of, uh, of writing. You know, it's done mostly in like Marvel movies hmm. because in Captain America, you have the Red Skull, hmm. where the Red Skull, he, he was transformed hmm. by the same formula that hmm. Captain America was. All that's different was who they were inside. Yeah. The formula takes who you are and magnifies it. Yeah. It's the. It's- Batman and the Joker and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's Ant-Man. His dark mirror was Yellow Jacket, yeah. who um, you know, had the same, basically the same technology that Ant-Man had, but he was just weaponized more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Yellow Jacket was more insane, and Ant-Man was you know, more compassionate and so forth. Uh, so yeah, so I just really wanted to bring up that idea of the dark mirror as mm-hmm. the villain uh, to, the, to the protagonist of the story. Mm-hmm. Because this movie, it, it really does that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think about it in that way as much, but it absolutely does. Yeah. I mean, especially, well, let's reveal who the killer is. Yes. <laughs> uh, the killer is Max, who used to be, he was partners with Lenny on the police force. Mm-hmm. And so, so let's talk about how they mirror each other. They were both cops. Mm-hmm. They're both former cops. Mm-hmm. They both kind of hustle now, where Lenny hustles the squid technology, Max Basically, he's like a bodyguard for, for hire. He's a PI, yeah. yeah well, yeah. he's a bodyguard for hire. He's, a, he's sort of an unsavory PI. Yeah, yeah. A fixer, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he also deals in squid technology mm-hmm. because apparently he got shot in the head with a twenty two, and that caused some minor brain damage. And so now he wears this, he has this long hair. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that's why. I, where did you hear that in, in the movie that he got shot in the back of the head? Oh, at the very beginning. He was like, I got a 22 in the brain pan. When, when, he, when, when he and Lenny are at the bar, uh, yeah. right after Max comes up to him in the Chinese restaurant and you know, interrupts his you know, deal. With, sale, yeah. yeah, yeah. They go to the bar and he's like, yeah, man, I got shot in the 22. Um, I, sh- I got shot in the brain pan with the 22. And then I got a, a pension from the LAPD and that was it for me. Wow. Yeah. And that's why... In the very end. Uh, well, well, that's oh. why in those clips, it looks blue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because, you know, he was colorblind mm-hmm. and that showed up. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I didn't, okay. Wow. Oh, right. The, the killer is Max. Yeah. Um, yeah. The killer is Max and they're a dark mirror. They're both cops. Um, you know, they're, you know, both on the outs with the police and they're both in love with Faith. <laughs> yes. And that's how I knew. I, I knew pretty much right away that Max was going to be the killer. Really? Yes, because it's such a noir movie, uh-huh. and that's a classic noir move, is, oh, yeah. oh it's your best friend all mm-hmm. along. It's a double cross. <laughs> it has to be. You know, I, I'm only, are you surprised that they didn't say, uh, don't trust anybody? <laughs> you literally, he literally says, you know, you're just not being par- paranoid enough. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Which is like... The classic, oh, I'm, I'm the killer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, it was well hidden, because, you know, there's... I knew it was him all along. Well, yeah, yeah. But there was, there was some subversions. There was some other people who it could be. 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's also really great because, you know, it's Max who's the one who gets Lenny to work it like a case, mm-hmm. you know, once they find the tape that how Iris was assaulted and killed. And then, you know, they kind of work it like they were back on the police station, yes. uh, back on the police force. And then, you know, it's up to them to solve it themselves because if they take the tape to the police, number one, the police might hide it because it shows the police executing Jericho mm-hmm. Run mm-hmm. and that would lead to, to a riot. Uh, number two, they'd probably think that Lenny was responsible somehow and would arrest him and imprison him. Or go after all of uh, Lenny's clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. and if Lenny did bring it to the police, Lenny's clients would never trust him again, and he couldn't do what he does anymore. And it's really interesting because Mason, she, she's around for all this, and she's like, well, maybe we should, you know, let people riot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know, let's show what happens, and, and, and maybe the people should riot, and then maybe we'll get some, some change. This movie has more balls than Black Panther, bro. <laughs> oh my gosh! And okay, so I don't know, I don't know Angela Bassett's filmography that well, but I was mm-hmm. watching the new Black Panther, the second one. Yeah, and that was kind of like my like realizing who she is as an actor. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was just funny because like, yeah, this movie is like, yes, we should riot. Let's <laughs> let's overthrow everything. Yeah, and it's like that's what Black Panther wanted to be, but it wasn't allowed to yeah. be. Well, I mean, that's a, a flash, for, you know, flash forward to the, you know, BLM movement nowadays. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's the obvious yeah, evolution of that. You, you know, like what she says back in 1995, it happened, you know, mm-hmm. in, the, in the 2010s. But like, what I just like, I love it because this movie doesn't pull those punches. No, no, it does and, not. And whereas like today, you know, like with Black Panther, you, mm-hmm. they had to pull the punches for some reason. I mean, well, well money, because Disney <laughs> yeah. and the government probably. Yeah. And Which I mean, it was crazy because this movie was a, a Fox movie. <laughs> this yeah. movie is a 20th century Fox movie. Well, 1995. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Looking back now, it's insane that this is a Fox movie. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you know, if you, if, if, you know, back then, you know, what she's saying, you know, it sounds very radical. But, you know, like after the Black Lives movement, it's like, yeah, man, yeah, fucking tear everything down. Yeah. <laughs> Systemic problems are systemic. Let's do a new system. Yeah. Yeah. But we have not. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Okay. So what other themes uh, do you, do you, do you want to talk about? Let's see. Are there any others? The writing of this, this movie, the writing, Mm -hmm. as far as the dialogue is. Okay. Well, the writing is just a plus through Mm -hmm. and through. Everything is, everything is. Well done. It all ties back in. It's structurally, it's amazing. Yeah. We were just talking about the foil of Max, mm-hmm. but also the poeticism of the lines. <laughs> it's a little over the top sometimes. Yeah. But it's, it's lovely. Like all those, like the, um, I'm your shrink. I'm the Santa Claus of the subconscious. <laughs> yeah. I, there's a lot of like those like super over the top lines. <laughs> But, but it's they fit lovely. his character. They, they fit, fit his, his character. They fit his character. And also, it's a noir movie. And if you watch mm-hmm. like old noir movies, it's like that is the way they talk sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that it's been parodied so much. But like that is how it is. It's just, I love your eyes, Lenny. I love the way they see. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a very, that so, um, you know, Faith said that to Lenny. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just love that. But it is over the top sometimes. It's like I kind of roll my eyes sometimes. Mm-hmm. But also, I love that it's there and I don't want to change that at all. I would never change it. But. I love that. Well, I mean, I love the names. Oh, <laughs> I love the names yes. of these characters. I mean, you know, Lenny, Nero, Philo, Gant, Jericho, Juan, and his, um, uh, you know, partner, his, his musical partner, uh, Replay, 
Hmm. And then you got Mason, the bodyguard, Faith. You know, he's lost Faith. Yes. In the, in the end, Max then, says, you, to, uh-huh. you've, you've lost Faith, to coin yeah. a new term. <laughs> well, I, well, okay, so the best name in the movie, okay, is Tex. Okay. And, and Tex is the, um, I believe he's, he's the guy with no legs. Okay. Um, he works at the club. And, um, you know, the killer gave, the killer dropped off that envelope to Tex. And then, you know, Tex gave it to, 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 to Lenny. Because Tex then, is, sorry, can I? Yeah, yeah, he's wheelchair bound. He, um, well, yeah, but he's also an editor. Oh, is that who he is? I think he's like an editor of the squids. Well, 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 Tick, there's Tex and there's Tick. Mm-hmm. Because Tick is the copier. You yes. know, he's the one. Yeah, and then, and then there's Tex. I think Tex is the editor because he's replaying all these noir movies also on the screens. And he's like chopping them up. And I think he's oh. looking at a, some, I think he might even be looking at a squid on, the, on one of the screens. Okay. But I think he has something to do with the squids more than just okay. the client. Okay. Um, and, and what's really cool about it is that's when we get Lenny's save the cat movement moment. Hmm. Because, you know, Lenny, because Tex has no legs, you know, below the knee. Yeah. So he's wheelchair bound. And so Lenny's like, here, I got something for you. And so he gives him a tape and then Tex plays the tape. And then it's a POV of a man looking down at his own feet as he runs down the beach. And, you know, that's to say the cat moment. That's the moment where he shows, you know, he has humanity that he's not such a bad guy. And it really is a very sweet moment for yeah. sure. But why that's great is because the guy's name, his full name is Tex Arcana. So it's like, not only do you get like Tex Arcana, but it's like A-R-C-A-N-A, like Arcana from like, you know, magic and stuff. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so just the names are great. Yeah. The names are fantastic. <laughs> And I think another interesting part about this is, is the, 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 the religious imagery Mm -hmm. and we have faith and whenever Lenny and faith are, they're flashbacking to like the POV squid stuff. There's like a cross on the wall. There's, there's a lot of like religious wording. He's like, uh, what is Max say to him before he dies is like, um, he's, he's got the gun to his face and he's like, Jesus. And he's like, that's the number two thing that people say before they die. The number mm-hmm. one is shit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. <laughs> it's just very interesting. Sort of the, oh, and also I haven't even started to talk. Ah, there's so much to talk about this big movie. I know. The soundtrack. Uh-huh. It's like my favorite period of music. <laughs> uh, it's, it has Skunk Anansi, who is, I believe from, I believe she's Jamaican. Um, but all of her music, Mm -hmm. especially her first and her biggest albums are about basically they're they're the most political music you can get. It's like, ah, well, the, the, the big song in this for them is they're selling Jesus again, Mm -hmm. which is about like, they're selling Jesus again. They're selling love to you to get your, your money, your votes. Mm -hmm. And, um, I forget what else, but like. That is like what this movie is about too, and 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 I don't know. I just love that so much. And also, they they have PJ Harvey song that what are what's her face Julia Juliet Lewis Juliet Lewis does a cover of a PJ Harvey song, which is like they're just it's like it's a very feminist soundtrack and radical soundtrack. I love it so much. I don't know, but that's like another thing is like these sort of 
mind controlling of people and the the bargaining with religion and and patriotism and mm-hmm. it's just very interesting. I, I don't know. There's a lot of imagery and symbolism in this movie that are awesome. We have you know the the New Year's Eve fireworks are we have a transition from the gunshots to fireworks and just like and I don't know, it's just awesome. I love that he even he's he's eating one of the the popsicles that's the red, white, and blue popsicle. Yeah. <laughs> as as who who is it? Uh, the dictator gets a Nobel Peace Prize, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So um, yeah, there's a news report, um, and and you know it's uh, Kelly Q. I I'm pretty sure it's Kelly Q. Kelly Q plays a a new anchor a news anchor on Fox News in L. A. <laughs> and, and and yeah, and, and so she's like um. Yeah, um, well, well, first she's like, uh, yeah, you know, every big party needs insurance, and uh, the L.A., and, and, you know, the city's insurance is going to be the Los Angeles PD, mm-hmm. and, you know, how they're going to ensure the safety through the, you know, New Year's party, and, you know, all that's going on, and then she's like, yeah, and then, um, you know, astrologers come up with amazing predictions for the next century, and one is that Muammar Gaddafi wins the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> Which cracked me Freaking hilarious. Yeah. But yeah. the fact that, like, that she says that, that the LAPD is the insurance company yeah. is really interesting. Like, mm-hmm. what are they insuring? Well, peace. Well, I mean, quote unquote peace, you know. Yeah. But they're going to do it by, I mean, you know, we see clips of it, like, all throughout the movie of, mm-hmm. you know, police in riot gear, you know, running people down on the streets mm-hmm. and, you know, smacking them with a nightstick and, you know, hauling them away. Like the streets are filled with tanks, you know, surrounded by policemen. You know, it. I mean, you know, it looks straight out of like what happened during BLM. Although, you know, I don't know if they used tanks or not during you know the BLM protests. It it looks like straight out of it. It's insane. Mm-hmm. We also have. I don't know. There's just a lot of stuff with that. There's um Max even tries to plant an idea of, you know, an elite hit force. Yeah. Of of cops who are trying to basically cover up cover up their own brutality. Yeah, yeah. That's an allusion to the Rampart scandal where, let me see, because like there was a Rampart division that kind of focused on street crime and gang crime and like the people involved in that squad, they were like they did, had way more complaints against them than any other like part of the LAPD. Mm. And also like they were covering up for people and like they were framing people too, apparently. Mm. And so like, that's what that's an allusion to. And so, because that actually happened. And so like, it's very believable that he could get away with that story, but ultimately it's red herring. Yeah. So. I did so much interesting stuff in here. And I was like, what is all this? Cause like, I was like, who, watching this, I was like, did it, did a black woman write this? Or like, <laughs> did a black person at least write this? But no. But I just think it's interesting because it is, because someone who was aware of these, you know, problems and societal mm-hmm. problems wrote this. And I was like, this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think it must have been the influence of Jay Cox, potentially. Mm-hmm. Well, I could be wrong, but well, I listened to this podcaster, Dan Carlin, mm-hmm. and he probably his biggest podcast is a uh, hardcore history, mm-hmm. but he also does a political commentary podcast called common sense. And he, he has talked about how he was involved in, um, 
he, he was basically a journalist in LA during the early nineties. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah. And so like he worked for, uh, I know he worked for a news outlet. I'm not sure if it was TV or newspaper or what, but he definitely worked for it. Mm-hmm. And he was taught, he, he talked about, you know, what happened during the time of the LA riots. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah, you know, if you were involved, if you were you know involved in news at the time, you could feel it in the air. Because we would get these, because the news, the, the, the journalist outlets, outlets, the news outlets, they would get calls from people complaining about police brutality. And then you'd be like, well, you know, do you have any witnesses? Do you have any evidence? And they said, no. And so, well, we can't go with the story mm. because we don't have anything to back it up with. And so he said that he got calls after calls after calls like this. And you could just feel the people getting frustrated because they had nowhere to go with it. And there was nothing they could do with it. And when the Ronnie King verdict happened, and then and those police officers were found, you know, not guilty. And that's when the rioting happened. And he also mentioned what it was like the night of the riots, because like he was like in some show, like some long show. Mm. And then like when he came out, he said it was very eerie because the streets were totally empty and he had no idea why. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and, you know, eventually he got home and, you you know, because he didn't have a cell phone and they got a hold of him and he was like, yeah, you got to come in, you know, there's rioting, you you know? So yeah. Yeah. But like all those stories among the community, especially the black community, this was going on, but there was no way to put it out there, Mm -hmm. you know, in the mass media. But, you know, smartphones changed all that. And then that's what led to the, you know, BLM movement. Just crazy. This movie's awesome. Yeah. This movie's awesome. I just wanted to, I guess, I think it's interesting that the writers were James Cameron mm-hmm. and Jay Cox. Who it's, it's just very interesting. Yeah. He was this, he was, James Cameron was credited for the story. Yeah. Which I guess makes sense mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. Well, I'm sure he came up with like all the sci-fi elements and, you know, stuff like that for sure. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. basics, you know, neo-noir yeah, and stuff yeah. Like that. but I just wanted to say that the Jay Cox is the writer for was was a writer for you know Gangs of New York, Silence, Age of Innocence, The Last Temptation of Christ, mm-hmm. just a lot of like the Martin Scorsese movies also. Yeah, and prestige movies as well. Yes, mm-hmm. Age of Innocence I think was his biggest one, and I think he was writing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that's Gangs of New York. Sorry. Oh no, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. One of those two, he was writing for a long time. Oh, okay. Just find it interesting. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't think, as far as like female characters who are well rounded, I mean, Mace is by far the, the most well rounded. But there are some, I mean, Iris felt a little flat and just like. Well, yeah, she's only there to, to push the plot along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, also, this movie is two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. But this movie is insane. Mm-hmm. So good. Mm-hmm. So well, we haven't talked about William Fickner and Vincent D'Onofrio as the two cops who are <laughs> oh, <laughs> trying yeah. to gun everybody down. They're insane too. <laughs> Their little love affair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, they go around, you know, trying to gun everybody down. Protect each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, like, the, I think the best scene with them is when they, when they chase after. So, Lenny and Mason go to the um, impoundment lot 
to uh, get the tape that Iris left from Lenny's car and Vincent D'Onofrio and William Fickner as the two cops who executed uh, Jericho One, they track them down there and they confront them. That leads to a chase. And mm, so um, awesome. Mason and Lenny get in their car and then the cops get in their car and, you know, there's a car chase. It's Mason's souped up car. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Mason drives down that pier, barely stops. But, you know, the car's been damaged, so she can't get out. So what the cops do is uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, he grabs a jug of gasoline pours it all over the car and sets it on fucking fire with them inside. Yeah, <laughs> and, so cool. and like, well, we can't just sit here. You know, uh, the gas ain't going to blow with us inside it. What are we going to do? And then <laughs> she, she does well, you know, out of the frying pan and into the, you know, <laughs> sea water, you know, ocean. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she drives off the pier and, and when he's like, what are you, are you crazy? And she's like, well, at least we're not on fire anymore. <laughs> And then she freaking goes into the back seat, uh-huh. freaking pulls out the back seat and, and gets into the trunk and pulls out a, a gigantic stainless steel pump shotgun. Yeah, yeah. Blows the trunk out. It's like, hold your breath. And they swim <laughs> up and, and, they, and they get out unscratched yeah. onto the next mission. It's yeah. so freaking cool. And, and so then the next time we see the two cops, they're at the New Year's eve street party mm. and then they see mason and so like they're trying to track her down through the crowd and they go after her they try to beat her i think but then you know she she beats vincent d'onofrio and then she grabs a taser and tases william fickner <laughs> and she like well wait wait, wait before that okay. they are opening fire oh yeah they're shooting right into the crowd trying to get to her they are desperate to, like to stop five her people get yeah. shot in the yeah. chest and back and they don't give a shit no at all so mm-hmm. i just thought that was that was like a horrific scene to yeah. me too but i mean totally believable nowadays i mean yeah you hear stories of them they shot a victim they shot oh you know there was a teenage girl who was kidnapped she tried to run towards the cops and the cop shot her, you know, Freaking so insane. Yeah. 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 It's totally believable. That mm-hmm. was a horrific scene to me though. That was just like watching it was like, it was really rough to watch all those yeah, people yeah, just yeah. dying. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when it transitioned to the fireworks. Oh, okay. Yeah. But anyways, so yeah, she, she takes them down. <laughs> yeah. She handcuffs them uh, to the hit, stage. Hit, well, 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 they Sorry, handcuff them together and then to the stage. Yeah. She, she holds a gun on them and then the SWAT comes by and they uh-huh. have their guns on her and she's like, get down, get down. She's like, wait, wait, let me tell you, let me tell you what's going on. And so and she, she puts a gun down, she gets down and then they try to cuff her and then they just beat on her with nightsticks while they free the police officers, the, the corrupt cops. Mm-hmm. And then, so she's getting the crap beat out of her mm-hmm. he, with all these cops with nightsticks and SWAT gear and, yeah. and riot gear. And there's like a little kid, or not a little kid, he's like a teenager. Oh, yeah, that's right. With a freaking bandana. And he's like, stop beating her up. And he's like, jumps on the back. And then the riots start. Yeah, yeah. They take them out. And mm-hmm. this part was a little, a little unbelievable. <laughs> but where the police commissioner comes yeah. in on her side. <laughs> yeah. Police commissioner comes in, is like, I saw the tapes. You yeah. guys are getting arrested for murder. Yeah. And, and then what happens is, is they arrest? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. Okay. I got to say, he's, so he shows up with the tape and he's like, you two are arrested for murder. Get this woman some medical attention. Then yeah. just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> Leaves yeah. her on the ground, bleeding from her head. <laughs> he's like, get this woman medical attention. I'll be right back. <laughs> hey, he's, he's not a professional medic. Yeah, I know, but he doesn't even like help her up or look at her at all, practically. <laughs> uh, anyways. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, they arrest, they arrest, they, they cuff Vincent Nafio to William Fickner. Mm-hmm. And then as they lead them away, William Fickner grabs a, a, a gun out of, you know, one of those, one of the officers arresting him. And like, who is it around? He's like, you know, you know, threatening everybody. And then all the cops turn and like, put it down, put it down. And then he puts the barrel in his mouth, blows his brains, and his brains land all over Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, it's so dramatic. <laughs> it's crazy. But very, very symbolic. I mean... <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I mean, you know, he got he has his partner's blood on his face. Yeah, you know? oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then literally, it's, it's like... <laughs> This movie is a freaking 11 at the entire time. Then Vince... Oh, wait, no, no. Who was the other guy? Vince D'Onofrio, right? Yeah, yeah. He's the one still alive. Yeah. He's freaking dragging the yeah, other yeah, guy. He grabs the gun. The, who's, like, who's like, you know, got a gaping hole in his head. He's just dragging him along by the handcuff. And he's like waving the gun around. And the police are pointing their, their, their guns at him saying, put it down, put it down. And Lenny goes, shoot him. Why don't you shoot him? And, and the freaking and Vincent D'Onofrio shoots and and um, you know Lenny covers up Mace gets shot in the back or whatever mm-hmm. and like you know then Vincent D'Onofrio calls says the the slur and yeah, yeah, yeah. calls Mace the slur the the slur basically and then just gets lit up yeah 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 it's wonderful mm-hmm. it's so like it's just so nice to see them get there get what they deserve in the end but, but I mean like you say you know you know gay <laughs> yeah they're definitely they there, were definitely there are lovers overtones, very very yeah overtones of them being intimate I mean there's always there's always like overtones of that of 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 cop partners well, yeah it's just it's it's just hilarious mm-hmm. to me i don't know but you definitely almost feel like they they are so desperate to mm-hmm. protect each other well especially considering what the tape will do because they don't want to get out you know yeah. mostly because it implicates them in this but you know that's something but also it'll be you know they know that there's no getting out of it if this bomb falls yeah you know if this bomb drops so that's why they're so desperate to make sure that that it doesn't and that's why they just go on a fucking killing spree (laughs) (laughs) and then max uses that as cover for his own for his own murders because he does his own murders to protect faith uh, because after all this happened, Gant basically hired Max to kill Iris and Faith, but he fell in love with Faith. So what Max does is he kills Iris and then sets up Lenny to be framed for the death of Gant. Mm-hmm. And then Max essentially kills Gant. And so that's the plot of this movie, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Gant is the record producer. Yeah, yeah. Who was the record producer of... Um, Jericho won. Yeah, the reason why he wants Iris and Faith to be killed is um, because he hired Iris to follow Jericho won uh, because he was getting paranoid. And so he wanted basically Iris to surveil Jericho won for him. Mm-hmm. And if that got out, all of his other acts would leave him. Which I thought was the, the weakest sort of plot point. But, you know, I didn't care at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're so pulled into the plot and the world and the characters already. I mean, what you, you're not going to argue with it. Yeah, no. I, I mean, also, everything's an excuse for everything else in this movie. But at mm-hmm. least what James Cameron, as our screenwriter, is very good at is having making sure those excuses are in there. Yeah. <laughs> he does make you know make sure that they are in there in his movies. Oh, it's great. It's uh-huh. the but I it's just 
stellar. Everything mm-hmm. about this movie is freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. But there's also we didn't even talk about Philo Gant or whatever and how oh. his 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 character is just insane. It's lovely. Like I there's a part where you know Lenny shows up to try and win Faith back, and he's like, and you know she's smoking, she's kind of like blowing smoke. And Philo like reaches out and he's like, I don't. He like feels the air between them, the two. And he's like, What do you guys have left? I don't feel a thing. <laughs> just like he has like these brilliant moments. Like the writing for him is magical. Michael Wincott's a wonderful actor. I, I love him as an actor. I, I didn't know him very much, but mm-hmm. I, I loved him in Nope. And that was yeah, yeah. Well, the crow, and he's such a great villain mm-hmm. in Along Came a Spider. Along Came a Spider. It's one of those. Um, it's one of those airport books, airport thrillers. Yeah. Turned into a movie. And what was so, it Tom Clancy, right? Uh, no, no, no. I think it's James Patterson. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. The same thing. No, no, no. Very different. Very different. Really? <laughs> yes. Why? Absolutely. We'll get into that later. I want to go into it. No, but... no, no. <laughs> we can get into that later. Um, yeah, we can do a movie, we can do a movie comparison of like Hunt for Red October with Along Came and Spider if you want. <laughs> but anyway, anyway. Um, so yeah, Michael Wincott is wonderful. Okay, so um, let's start to wind down. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. um, what do you think of the ending? <laughs> so the ending was a little, a little conceited. It was a little conceited. We get Mace and what's his freaking Lenny. name? Lenny. Gosh dang. Mm-hmm. Mace and Lenny are, are about to be taken away to be questioned for six hours. And mm-hmm. um, she's like, oh, do you think we'll get arrested? And he's like, no, nah, we'll just be questioned for six hours. Well, 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 just before all this happens, you know, it's now New Year's. Yes. It's after midnight. And then we see all these people kissing. One of them, <laughs> one of them being this uh, SWAT officer on top of a tank. All dressed up in, you know, heavy, you uh-huh. know, a, a military uniform, wielding, you know, an assault rifle, <laughs> being held by, this, you know, you know, a, a woman, you know, kissing. <laughs> <laughs> Very blatant. This is also blatant. after, after freaking Lenny has risen from the dead. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's been shot in the back and he just gets up. Oh, and stab in the back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I forgot about that because that was so funny. Because so he's fighting Max. Um, well, yeah, yeah, he he fights Max, and then Max stabs him, and then you know they fight each other to the balcony, Mm -hmm. and then Lenny throws Max over the side. Max grabs his tie. Yes, the tie. (laughs) And then you you know I'm gonna bring you with me, Lenny. (laughs) So Lenny reaches back for the box cutter. That Max stabbed him with into his back, pulls it out, and cuts off his own tie. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> you know, and that's why the costuming in this movie is just so great. I mean, yeah. that says so much right there. And also, like, um, the reason, I, well, he's like, uh, good thing I was colored by. That's the only way I could stand your ties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, so good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so wait, wait, one more thing before okay, like, okay. Tom Sizemore, freaking amazing, <laughs> freaking amazing. He plays the same thing in everything, but it's amazing. He was. Wait, <laughs> okay, wait, wait. This movie. Okay, this movie and Natural Born Killers needs to be a double feature. Okay, because Tom Sizemore and you know Juliette Binoche, okay. like they play the same characters in both. <laughs> okay, I don't know. It's okay. really interesting, but they're both, and I love Tom Sizemore's character in Bringing Out the Dead, which I'm going mm-hmm. to make you watch. Mm-hmm. 
Anyways. Yeah, Popeye's more. He, well, he was also great in Black Hawk Down. So mm-hmm. apparently, he was in Heat too. Yeah, yeah, he's great in Heat. Yeah, 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 for sure. Anyways, okay, okay, but but the oh, ending, the very ending. Okay, yes, we and, have and confetti so, everywhere. Yeah, 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 billions and billions of tons uh-huh. of confetti because it's a it's a not only a new century, it's a new millennium. Yes, mm-hmm. and then you know Y two K. You know that was very very anticipated, like in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And there's also this thing called um, La Fin de Cécile. Uh, um, it's a French term. Defende Cecil. Let me see. Let me see. I'm not going to do any better, but I got to try. Yeah, I don't know. Defende yeah. Cecil. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. I'm not- and it means the end of the century. And what it refers to is that sense of the end of one age and the beginning of, of a new age that happens with every turn of one century to another. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Y2K was something special because not only was it the turn of one century to another, it was the turn of one millennium to another so like it was like highly anticipated and yeah. you know there was a lot of well just energy about it you know at that time you know and people thought it would this was also potentially the end of the world yeah 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 and that's where where we get movies like you know 2012 mm-hmm. <laughs> well 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 it's funny because it's like okay uh the year 2000 that's going to be the last year and there's going to be an armageddon and you know something bad's going to happen and then it didn't happen and yeah. it was like okay no 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 it wasn't it was, it's not 2000 it's 2012 there was a like a radio show in the beginning and there was a guy talking to like this lady she was like god's going to come back and he's like oh, okay so when's it supposed to happen and she's like on the, exactly on the new year day and he's like yeah at midnight at midnight Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, is that midnight Los Angeles time? What time zone is God in? <laughs> well, you know what movie that reminds me of? Hmm. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. <laughs> <laughs> or what is it? The Superman, one of the Superman movies where like it's like the same time of day everywhere around the world where they're showing like things getting destroyed and stuff. It was like a big plot point. Kind oh, of thing. okay, okay, okay. It doesn't matter. But yeah, we're, we're going to have to watch Halloween 3. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyways, the ending of this movie, confetti everywhere, people just got shot and died, we just beat the bad guys. But now they're kissing because they made it to the new millennium. Yeah, well, he runs down the cop car and he like gets her out and they just kiss. Yeah, they kiss and then slow crane shot up from them to show the crowd and the confetti falling and then... Up to the sky. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I feel like with this movie, mm-hmm. how can you end this movie? I mean, it, it's almost like oh, you yeah. know, one of the things Mason says is like the difference between TV and real life is that like real life keeps on going. You know, she says something to that effect. Was it Mason? I mean, was that Mason or Faith? That was, oh, I, I, I think I, it was. I thought it was Mason. Oh, okay, probably so. And so it's like, well, you, you have this movie, mm-hmm. you know, you have all these characters, you have this really interesting world. How can you end it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I think they end it the only way that they really could, especially being a Hollywood movie with, you know, mm-hmm. the guy oh, and no, the girl no. kissing. <laughs> it's, it's fine. And there was some sort of like, there were feelings between them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. There's that part where Mason wants to go back to the hotel to rescue Faith, but Mason knows that it's a trap and she won't go with him. And so she, you know, yells at him and then stomps on his tapes of Faith and, you know, stops, you know, tries to stop her. And, you know, they, they have that moment. And he's like, you know, have you ever loved somebody who, who, who didn't love you back? Mm-hmm. And she's like, 
yeah, Lenny, you know, looking right at him. I know something about that. Mm. So it's apparent she's in love with him in the same way that he's in love with Faith. And so that's why throughout the whole movie, that explains a lot of why Mason puts up with Lenny's shit. It's because deep down, she's in love with him on a level. Mm. And then by the end of the movie, they get together. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Which didn't seem exactly needed, but, you know, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought it was good. Yeah. It was good enough. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 where the people. I mean, there was a revolution. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Riots was happening. Yeah, yeah. People were over riots there. and celebration all in, in the same. You know, fifteen minutes. Yeah. <laughs> On the streets of L.A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it ended. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you love this movie. I I love this movie. I, again, I don't know if I can watch it many times just because there's a lot of rough stuff in it. It's. Mm-hmm. Really emotionally draining to watch. Yeah. Especially with the assault scenes, for sure. So here's the funny thing. This movie was a box office bomb, and it nearly derailed uh, Catherine Bigelow's career, apparently. Hmm. Well, because it's too woke, man. Well, it was because, uh, apparently it was because of, like, the violence and, Mm -hmm. you know, because of that social activism stuff that was in there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And, you know, also the... The assault scenes, too, yeah. because, you know, it was, I guess, critics were, were divisive about that. And it is a divisive thing. I, mm-hmm. I'm on the fence about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's so difficult to watch. Um, it's especially like, because, you know, like, the reason why I like this movie is because on a lot of levels, it's like a genre movie. It, mm-hmm. it is very much a genre movie. And it does a lot of interesting things that no other movie really has. Because, like I said, you know, it's pre-cyberpunk and, you know, it's neo-noir all mm-hmm. at the same time. And then it's got that social activism aspect to it. But because of the graphic depictions, it is very difficult to watch. Yeah. Know? So yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still not sure if they, you know, did the best, but I, I think, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Yeah. It was, it was weird. Yeah. It would just reminds me, like, I wish, I don't know. Like, I, I remember reading reviews of, like, Monster, the movie Monster. Mm-hmm. Which I think that was what in the nineties as well as came out in the nineties. I think late nineties. Yeah. Yeah, but but again, like that that movie had assault scenes in it, but they were completely. It, it just didn't feel like this movie. They were it. What the assault scenes were not devoid of sexuality, mm-hmm. and I don't think. I, I don't know, you know, because it was just it was weird because, like the best assault scenes I think are devoid of sexuality. I think because mm-hmm. it's not. You know, it's not really about sexuality. It's yeah. It's about the violence and the heinousness mm-hmm. of it, and 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 the power over asserting power over another human being. Mm-hmm. But this, it didn't feel completely non-sexual, which yeah. I think was weird. Yeah, because this is, you know, like I said, it's it's essential. It's not an art movie. Mm-hmm. It's not a prestige movie. It's essentially, it's essentially a genre movie, and it's a genre mashup of pre-cyberpunk and neo-noir. Mm-hmm. So because of the type of because of the genre of movie it is um the assault scenes really feel exploitative for sure yeah yeah mm-hmm. which was rough yeah yeah, yeah. very rough but mm-hmm. overall again this movie has a lot of good things to say about yeah. people who are oppressed and who are downtrodden and mm-hmm. whose voices aren't heard and marginalized marginalized yeah and it just uh, there are a lot of good things in this movie mm-hmm but I feel like that does detract a little bit in some some ways, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, what were you saying? I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to go over Catherine Bigelow's career real quick because. Oh, yeah. Well, well I, the funniest thing is like she was married to James Cameron. Oh, really? For two years. <laughs> <laughs> what two years? Was it during this? Uh, this was, it was after this. Um, well, 1989 to 1991, apparently. Like they married in 1989 and got divorced in 91. So this was, that was before this. Well, they may have developed it mm-hmm. while they were married, but then divorced. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And then went into production afterward. But okay, so let's take a quick look at some of the movies that Catherine Bigelow has directed. Uh, Near Dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know that? Do you know that one? No. That's a great movie. It's a great vampire movie. It mixes the modern West with vampires. Mm. It's incredible, and it's got a lot of the cast from oh. Aliens. Yeah, I saw this. I saw this and added it to my watch list. I was like, this looks really cool. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Point Break. Mm-hmm. Um, which gave us, you know, the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> and then she did this movie, and it nearly derailed her career, because the next one she did was K-19 The Widowmaker, which I saw in the theaters, and from what I remember my experience, I wasn't that impressed by it. Mm. But I guess, you know, it was just to prove that she could be a director again and, and stay a director. And But after that... She did The Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty, which was an Academy Award winner, and then Detroit. Mm-hmm. So it looks like she also did. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and her early career was The Loveless, right? With it looks like really early Willem Dafoe. Oh. And Blue Steel with 90s Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Quite the very career. And she won an Oscar for Hurt Locker, right? I'm not sure. Anyways, she did. I was watching this movie. It's like the people who make movies are insane. Like I want to make movies really badly. And it's a goal of mine to make a movie. Yeah, she did win um, best director uh, for Hurt Locker. And Hurt Locker also won best picture and best original screenplay, among others. Hmm. So, yeah. So it's interesting because we love this movie. It was so divisive, apparently, at the time. It was a bomb at the time. Yeah. I think it was way too ahead of its time. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. I, I agree. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is like this movie, it's a tough movie to find mm-hmm. um, because I had to get it on DVD. Oh, wow. uh, apparently, there wasn't a Blu-ray release of it, and it's not available for streaming. Oh. Yeah. That's a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is kind of a tough movie to get a hold of. Huh. Yeah. And I only know about this movie because, well, you know, I, I've read TV tropes so much, but also I watched this on HBO and I remember there was an HBO, they, HBO used to do this thing called HBO First Look, where we do behind the scenes of upcoming movies. Mm. So um, I saw that and then I saw this on HBO when it came out. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It hasn't been out anywhere since. Mm. So. That's crazy. I mm-hmm. feel like. People should watch it again. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's again, there's that stuff that makes it really tough. Yeah, yeah. Especially, it's it's tough to be excited about this movie because of that <laughs> stuff. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is, uh, I think it's an ex- excellent movie. Okay, great. Through and through. Mm-hmm. And I think they handle a lot of stuff. A lot. Mo- they handle a lot of stuff really well and some stuff not so well. Yeah. But, but I mean, nothing with freaking... But nothing terrible? Um, Except maybe the ending? But you, you gotta. Yeah, I mean, no. That. Like as far as as far as the quality of the movie, mm-hmm. no, nothing terrible at all. No. Okay. Yeah. They had freaking skunk and antsy. <laughs> I love it. It was so cool. It was so cool. 
man. And the PJ Harvey song. I was, I was, I was loving it. Okay, great. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else we need to talk about? Um, I don't think so. Okay, well, I guess that's the uh, that's the end of this episode. And oh yeah, I should you know wish you guys a, a happy New Year. That's why yeah. we chose this movie. It was our New Year's movie, or at least my New Year's movie. Yes, <laughs> I think I have a pick for next next okay. time. Well, I probably should have opened with that, but oh well, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, um, that was Strange Days, and this has been your movie, my movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Steve. I'm Dan. Mm -hmm. So, goodbye, y'all. Take care. Bye-bye.